Good morning. I'm going to be reading from Colossians 1, 3 through 14 today. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this have you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world. It is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in spirit. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Amen. Thank you so much, Ronnie. We appreciate that. Appreciate your ministry with our students as well. And thank you all for being here this morning. So great to have you here with us at River Oaks. Uh, welcome also to those of you joining us online. Uh, our service today will be a, a bit different. Message will be a little bit shorter because we have built some time uh, into our service today to pray for any of you who'd like to receive prayer at the end of the message, specifically for your spiritual growth, uh, your progress in uh, spiritual growth this year. We're going to have prayer available at the tables in the back and these front rows off to the sides. And again, uh, message will be a little shorter today, and I'll give you a little bit more guidance about that if you'd like to come for prayer today by some of our leaders, deacons, and elders available to pray with you and for you. I'd like to mention a few upcoming things in our church. One is our Discover River Oaks class. This will be the last time I uh, mention that in our service. It begins next Sunday morning during this service. Uh, this is a way to learn more about our church, getting involved in our church. It's also the pathway to membership. If you'd like to become a member of our church, it is important to register in advance, and I would ask if you'd like to attend this class that you'd register by noon tomorrow. That's a large class. We still have some space, but that would be a, a big, big help to us. Secondly, as you probably know, if you've been here a few, a few times, we are an outreach-focused church with great love for our missionaries. Rita Browning, Dr. Rita Browning, uh, I've known Rita for many, many years since she was in medical school, actually doing a residency here in pediatrics years ago. Uh, began taking short-term mission trips to Mongolia, ultimately began a home for children with special needs there, and the Lord has done wonderful things through her. She is in the United States now, scheduled to be with us last week, but had a, a family crisis, so keep her in your prayers uh, this week. It's a wonderful ministry she has in Mongolia. Thirdly, our Ash Wednesday services are coming up um, beginning February 14th. We'll have two services that day, one at 12.15, one at 5.15. They're about 40 minutes long. We hold them in our gym. These are traditional Ash Wednesday services to try to get us start, started on that seven-week period between Ash Wednesday and Easter Sunday with a special focus on the Lord. 
And to help with that, we are providing a little booklet this year. It's not specifically tied to uh, the season of Lent uh, so much as it is to this larger season in the life of our church when we're focusing on spiritual renewal. Uh, there are nine little devotionals, so if you do one a week, you could begin one uh, today, this week, that'll take you through Easter Sunday. The focus of these devotionals is on the renewing work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I find that lots of Christians don't know a whole lot about the Holy Spirit, who He is, what He does, and these little devotionals are designed to help us explore what the New Testament has to say about the work of the Holy Spirit. They're free, and you can pick one up today. Now, before we get into our message this morning, I'd like you to take a quick look at what we call our vision frame. Our vision frame, understanding the frame, is really, I think, the best way to learn about who we are as a church. We use it as a guide in our Discover River Oaks class. I'll call your attention today to the left side of the frame to the values. And notice the top three, and they're not necessarily in order, uh, any particular order, Bible-centered, prayer-fueled, spirit-led. All three of these values uh, come together when we talk about praying the prayers of the Apostle Paul that are found in Scripture. The Bible itself can be our best prayer book, our best guide as to how to pray when we learn to pray the words of Scripture or the teachings of Scripture. And so we're exploring those this week. This uh, knowing Scripture uh, fuels our prayer lives and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives in response to prayer. And with that in mind, we're going to continue today by looking at one of the prayers of the Apostle Paul. It's in the passage that Ronnie read for us just a moment ago from Colossians chapter 1. But I'll say this first about the prayers of Paul in the New Testament. The prayers of Paul provide us with First of all, goals for our own spiritual growth. By that I mean Paul in his prayers prays what he wants God to do in the lives of believers. And I would say in the life of every believer. The prayers of Paul that we're studying are not prayed for one specific individual. They're not unique for one person. They're prayed for the entire church. His prayers in Scripture that we find in several of the New Testament books are inspired by God, and they're focused on our spiritual growth. And if you read them carefully, I think you'll see that they provide a, a map for spiritual growth. They lay out a vision for what can happen in your life and mine. They provide goals for our spiritual growth, and secondly, they can give us guidance in how to pray for others. Now, the prayers I'm talking about are listed in the references in parentheses you see on the screen. The first week of January, we looked at Ephesians 1, the second week at Ephesians 3, last week at Philippians 1. Today, we'll look at Colossians 1. We won't get to 2 Thessalonians 1. But in each of these passages, Paul is praying for the spiritual growth and development of believers in the churches. You can use these prayers to pray for your own spiritual growth. You have children, certainly pray them for your children, your grandchildren, your uh, friends in your youth ministry, your small group, a Bible study you teach. They're inspired prayers that can guide us in praying for other people. 
I find in my own prayer life, and maybe you found the same thing, that, that when praying, my mind often goes to certain needs. Praying for needs for uh, my, my family, myself, others, for health, for direction, for guidance. These things are good. We should pray about all of them. But let's not neglect the emphasis found in all these prayers of Paul. And the emphasis is primarily, primarily spiritual growth and progress for believers, growing in spiritual maturity. So today, let's look at Colossians chapter 1. The last one of these we'll look at because next week, we go back into our study of the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians. There are five things, I think, in these short verses, Colossians 1, 9 through 12, that Paul emphasizes. And the first is this. He prays for believers to be filled with the knowledge of God's will. He writes these words. And so from the day we heard, and he means by this, the day we heard about your love, your growth, your, your progress in spiritual maturity. From the day we heard, we've not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. In other words, he says, I've heard of your great growth, and I'm praying that you grow more and more and more, and specifically, that you be filled with the knowledge of God's will. Now, does God want us to know his will? Does he? Definitely, yes. Absolutely. The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 5, don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. He wants, to, he wants us to know his will. But when we think about knowing God's will, I think we typically think in terms of decision-making. How can I know God's will? Which school to go to? Uh, who to date? Who to marry? Whether to marry? Which job? Where to live? Uh, which house to buy? Which apartment to rent? De Decision-making. But Paul, in talking about the will of God here, and it's fine to seek God's guidance in those things. Certainly, we should. But Paul's prayer is for greater spiritual wisdom and understanding. Be filled with the knowledge of his will, he says, and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. He wants, to, wants us to have the kind of wisdom and understanding that make us, makes us stable and secure in our knowledge of who he is, who Christ is to us, and what he has done for us. And I say that because of what he goes on to emphasize in his letter to the Colossians. In chapter 2 and verse 7, he calls us to be rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. He calls us not to be confused by errant doctrines that insist on legalistic practices to, to reach God. He says in chapter 2 and verse 8, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition. In verse 18, let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism and worship of angels. He's calling us to be filled with the knowledge of God's will and spiritual wisdom and maturity. He wants us to be stable and steadfast. This is a prayer you can pray for yourself. Those of you who have kids going off to college, this is a prayer you should be praying for them. They'd be filled with that spiritual wisdom that makes them stable, rooted in Christ, so they're not pulled away, shifted by errant teachings it would pull them from a right understanding of God's will is found in the gospel. Great one to pray. Paul continues, praying that as we believers in Jesus are filled with the knowledge of God's will, further, 
that we'd walk in a manner that's worthy of the Lord and pleases Him. Now, when the Apostle Paul uses the word walk, he's not talking about the way you put one foot in front of another. He's talking about lifestyle, the way we live. Spiritual wisdom leads us to live in a certain way, in a way that's pleasing to God. And this includes the things we do. It also includes the things we don't do. Paul goes on in his letter to speak of this in chapter 3 of the book of Colossians when he says, put to death what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Then he emphasizes what we should do. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. This is walking in a manner worthy of God. The things we put away, the things we put on. Thirdly, Paul says when you do that, I'm praying that you're going to be bearing fruit in every good work and keep growing in the knowledge of God. When we walk as God calls us to walk in his wisdom, in the knowledge of his will, we bear fruit. Fruit is outward evidence of what's happening inside our lives. Your life is kind of like a tree, and, and the fruit shows what type of tree it is. Just as apples show that a tree is an apple tree or pears show that a tree is a pear tree, by their fruits, as Jesus said, you shall know that fruit is evidence. Love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, self-control. These are fruit of the Holy Spirit that show what God's doing in your life. Fruit is also the impact that your life has on other people. You may work with someone who, who says, you know, something happened in her life two or three years ago. I think it happened through her, her church. She came to believe in God. She's a different person now. I mean, she still works hard and everything and does great work, but she's, she's kind. She's gentle. She's changed. It's fruit when your life shows before other people. Paul prays for that. As we bear fruit in every good work, we keep increasing in the knowledge of God. He goes on to say, he prays this, that you be strengthened. Be strengthened with God's power for endurance and patience with joy. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. How do you get strengthened with God's power? It's not dependent on our own reasoning or ability. It's dependent on God's might. God gives us what he calls for us to have. Or as Douglas Moo, a Bible commentator, says, God gives what he demands. God gives us his glorious might. God gives us his strength, and it results in what? Endurance and patience. The Greek word translated endurance conveys the idea of bearing up under something, remaining steadfast, in the midst of adversity. Patience, sometimes translated long-suffering, could be said to, to do more with putting up with difficult people. The two words are very closely related, but one thing they have in common, they really don't show until we go through some type of test or trial. That's why this one's harder to pray for, for yourself or others. The book of James, the Apostle James, write these words. Count it all joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops 
endurance, perseverance, patience, this quality. The testing of your faith develops this. He goes on to say this endurance, this steadfastness, must have its complete work so you may be complete and mature, not lacking anything. In other words, if you're going to be a mature Christian, you've got to have this quality, this endurance, this steadfastness, this perseverance, this patience. And apparently, and the scripture's pretty clear on this, it comes about when our faith is tested by various trials. That's why I say this is a hard one to pray for. Because in essence, we're praying, Lord, I'll grow through the adversity I face. It's especially hard to pray this one for your kids. Now, those of you who have young kids, you know what I'm talking about. You want everything in life to go well for them. You go to their soccer games, you walk them, watch them play soccer. Don't tell me you never do this. You pray your kid will get the ball, your kid will score a goal. When my son played basketball for years and years, I would pray the coach would let him in the game. I'd pray somebody pass the ball to him. I'd say, God, you know it would help his confidence if he scored a few points this game. We'd pray for him. We know we're not supposed to do it, but our hearts are drawn to him, and we do it. You want the best. You want your kids to be popular. You want to have friends. You want to be invited to party. You want all the good stuff for your kids. But you know what? At some point in life, they have got to learn that you grow through adversity. You reflect back on your life, you reflect back on your walk with God, and I expect many of you will find that there were times you went through something very, very, very difficult, and you turned to God, and your walk with Him came to a new depth, and your growth in Him went to a new height. The testing of your faith develops perseverance. We do not always get what we want in life. Things don't always go the way we want in this life. The Apostle Paul said, anyone who desires to live a godly life in Christ will face persecution. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. Adversity is part of life, but adversity can be growing times. Look at the verse again. All endurance and patience with what? Joy. Joy. That's a, a mark of a mature, rooted, and grounded believer because life is not dependent upon the circumstances around us. There will be adversity. There will be hard times in this life. But one of the marks of maturity is that we're strengthened with all power, not of our own making, according to his glorious might. The presence and the power of the Holy Spirit given to us as believers. The result is a believer who can endure, who can persevere, who can remain steadfast, who can bear up under trials steadfast with God and is not shaken by adversity, but is rooted and grounded in Christ and in his love and therefore is able to be patient with difficult people, to endure difficult hardships, and to do it with joy. Finally, Paul in this beautiful prayer for believers prays that as this happens, we will be giving thanks, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us. Remarkable verses here, 12 to 14, look at them carefully, giving thanks to the Father who's qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Thanksgiving is a mark of a mature believer. In fact, it's a mark of any believer who's filled with the Holy Spirit. 
When Paul commands believers to be filled with the Holy Spirit, one of the marks he lists afterwards is this, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's done what? Who has qualified us. Notice this, we did not qualify ourselves for the kingdom of God. God qualified us. How? By Jesus. He made him to be sin for us who knew no sin so that in him we might be made the righteousness of God. Jesus, Jesus paid our sin debt on the cross so that through our faith in him, we could be counted righteous in the eyes of God with the very righteousness of Christ. This work was done at God's initiative by God for us. He qualified us. Our part was simply to place our faith in the God who had done this for us through Christ. God qualified us. Notice what else he did. He has delivered us. He's delivered us from the domain of darkness. The word domain translates the, the Greek word that simply means authority. In other words, before coming to faith in Jesus, we were under the authority of darkness. This is Satan's kingdom, his deceit. We didn't realize it, probably had no idea about it, but we were under the authority, the domain of darkness. God qualified us, God delivered us, and then he transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. There are two kingdoms in this world, and they are invisible kingdoms. There's the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of light. Kingdom of darkness is the kingdom of, of Satan. The kingdom of light is the kingdom of God, the kingdom of his beloved son. And when our faith was placed in Jesus Christ for our salvation, <clears throat> he literally transferred us out of the kingdom of darkness and placed us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Might not have felt any differently. But literally, we were transferred from one kingdom to another by the grace of God, the love of God, the mercy of God, the kindness of God, and what we call the gospel of Jesus Christ. God qualifies us through Christ, delivers us from the authority of darkness, and transfers us into the kingdom of Christ. And that's why Paul says, I'm praying for you who know these things to always be giving thanks to God living with this attitude of gratitude to the one who's done this for you. He's qualified you. He's, he's delivered you. He's transferred you. Now, as we reflect back on this short little prayer, you may be wondering, can God do all these things in my life? Are they his will for my life? And I'd say absolutely yes. They are his will for every believer. This prayer all these prayers of Paul we're looking at have been inspired by God and are applicable not for one unique individual. He didn't pray them for just one person, but for all believers, for the churches. That's why they're given us in Scripture. So here's what I would say. When you're praying about anything that's his will, and certainly about your, your own spiritual life and development, the spiritual lives and developments of your friends, your family, your children, your loved ones, as one of our elders, Jeff Deadweller, says, pray big. Pray 
big. You'll see a big sign in the hallway right outside those doors over a, a, a pew out there that says, pray big that Jeff got for our church. Pray big prayers. I'm reminded of this quote by John Newton. John Newton was the slave trader turned minister uh, who wrote the, the hymn Amazing Grace. He wrote these words, Thou art coming to a king. Large petitions with thee bring, for his grace and power are such none can ever ask too much. You can't ask God too much in terms of your spiritual maturity, in terms of your devotion to him, your love for him, your commitment to him and his kingdom. So pray big. Pray big prayers. Two questions by way of personal application. Number one, am I willing to have my life shaped by the spiritual growth goals expressed in these prayers of Paul? They're lofty goals, but they're God's will. Are you willing to have your life shaped by the Holy Spirit who takes the word of God in these prayers and conforms our lives more to the likeness of Jesus. Are you willing? Is that your desire? Do you want to grow this year? Do you want to be at a different place by the end of this year than you are now spiritually in your love for God, your knowledge of God, your relationship with Him? That's what He wants for you. He wants a closer walk of communion, of fellowship. He wants you to know His love, to love Him in return, to share that love with other people. Secondly, how will I use these prayers to develop my prayer life this year? I recommend memorizing them, keeping them before your eyes, beginning to pray them for yourself, for people, your family. Pray them. Use them. By the way, those of you who are married, lots of married couples I've found don't, don't pray together much. I urge you, married couples, to begin praying together this year. And a great way to do that, if you, if, you're, if, you're just, if you just feel awkward praying out loud because you feel like you don't know what to say, uh, maybe you feel a little bit in, intimidated or vulnerable praying, just open the Bible of these prayers we've been talking about and pray them for one another. I pr pray this for you, you pray this for me. Begin to pray for one another. I think you'll find tremendous strengthening in your marriage as you pray together. <clears throat> Highly recommend using these prayers as well. Now, I'd like to, to move toward the end of our service a little bit differently today. As I told you, this would be a short message. We've got about 15 minutes left. Our elders and deacons are prepared this morning to pray with you and for you uh, about any need but especially we'd like to focus on praying for your own spiritual growth and development in 2024. And uh, they've got copies of these prayers of Paul. If you'd like them to pray one or more of these over you, uh, that would be great. But I'm going to invite you in just a moment to go to one of these tables in the back. There are two tables here and uh, two over on this side. We'll have a number of deacons there. A number of our, our elders will be at these two front rows here. And um, we're just here to pray with you and for you. We're going to have a little music playing. We're going to continue to worship. I'll be praying a few scriptures for those who remain seated. And then in just a few minutes, we'll have a, have a closing song. You're welcome to come for a prayer about any need. 
for a decision you've got to make for healing yourself, someone in your family, but tell them what you'd like prayer for. And if you'd like to be anointed with oil for healing, because the Bible says if we're sick, call for the elders and be anointed with oil. If they have anointing oil, they'll anoint you and pray for your healing. But just let them know what you'd like prayer about. But um, let me pray first, and then we'll, we'll go into a time of prayer together. Father, we commit this time to you now. I pray you'd put it on the hearts of your people, whether to have someone pray with them, for them. I especially pray for couples, for marriages, that this be a year of great strengthened spiritual growth as a couple for the married couples in our church. I pray for families with children. I pray it be a, a year of tremendous blessing upon their spiritual growth together. Would you bless your people now, Lord, we ask and pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.